0: Hello, and thank you for tuning in to the Encouragement Expert podcast. We're glad you're joining us today. Let's join Pastor Wes Stoffenbaugh as he speaks an encouraging word titled, Seven Love Names of God. Praise the Lord. It's a true delight to be with each one of you today. And uh, I pray God will abundantly bless you. I have a wonderful message called The Seven Love Names of God. Let's say a prayer. Father, we pray the Holy Spirit will teach us today and reveal... To us, wonderful things that will build faith in our hearts. And uh, this is our prayer. And then we want that to bear abundant fruit for the glory of your name. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. (coughs) Excuse me. The longest prayer of Jesus Christ is recorded in John chapter 17, and this is called his high priestly prayer. And he ends this prayer with this powerful statement I have made known to them your name. And I will continue to make it known that the love with which you have loved me may be in them and I in them. Now, that's a wonderful verse. I want to call your attention to John 17:6. He said, I have manifested your name to the people whom you gave me out of the world. Now, when he makes known to us the Father's name, he does so with demonstrations, not just a chalkboard and definitions of Greek and Hebrew words. So, when he says, I have made known your name, that means he healed everybody to make known Jehovah Rapha, or he provided loaves and fish and fed a multitude to uh, make known the name Jehovah Jireh, and uh, that type of thing. Now, he says he will continue to do that until the love that the Father has for Jesus would be in us. That would mean until. He wants to keep revealing his himself, revealing these seven redemptive names until we're just filled with divine love that the Father has for the Son and Jesus Christ is fully manifested in us. And that literally means we'd be turned into divine love. Now that's the goal of everything. I've been preaching a lot about divine healing. Uh, I wanna get everybody healed. I wanna help everybody get saved. <laughs> But you know, the the goal of everything is, is not so much just to get everybody physically healed. It's that everybody would know how much God loves them, grasp it, and be filled to all the fullness of God. Now, one morning I wrote this down, love always comes bearing a gift. I've said that for years, but I added this, love without a gift is not love. A gift given without love is not a gift. And I thought that was profound. I I want to say it again. I believe the Holy Spirit gave me those words. Love always comes bearing a gift. And love without a gift is not love. It would be something like a bribe, you see. A gift given without love is not a real gift. So love always gives something, whether it's a smile, a hug, a handshake, a welcome, a listening ear, a helping hand, an encouraging word, or perhaps. Some wonderful gift of the Spirit, something supernatural. And God's love is, f- when God's love is in full manifestation, then it always comes with the appropriate gift for the need. And if that need is physical healing, love comes with gifts of healing, the gifts of miracles, and the gift of special faith. Now, gifts given without love are manipulative, there's some kind of string attached. All right. So, uh, we want to we want to have the love of God and all the appropriate gifts to go with it. So, we want to pursue God's character, his love and his spiritual power, his gifts at the same time, not one of the other. Sometimes someone will say, "Well, I I won't pursue the power or gifts or anything. I'll just pursue character." Well, if you really did get the character, you'd desperately want the gifts because love always comes bearing a gift. Now, Paul wrote, the goal of this command is love. The goal of this command is love, which comes from a pure heart and a good conscience and a sincere faith, 1 Timothy 1.5. Now, I want to give you seven redemptive covenant names of God. There are only seven, although God has many, many, many names. I'm, I'm not talking about that he's Buddha or that he's something crazy like that. I'm just saying that El Shaddai is one of his names, the God who's uh, more than able. <clears throat> but these covenant names, there are seven of them. And there are seven ways that God manifests his love to you, and then in you, and then through you. And the first one is Jehovah Shammah, which means the Lord is here. You know, if you really love somebody, you'll be there for them. <laughs> you'll spend time with them. And God is not a yesterday God of Bible stories. He's not a, just a tomorrow God of theology, someone who will come some, some distant future. He's a God who's here with us now. David wrote, Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil, for you are with me. That's Jehovah Shammah. The Lord is here. God said to tell, uh, God told Moses to tell the people, I am has sent you. Well, I am, that means he's here. He's now. He's a now God. He's not just tomorrow or yesterday. Jesus said, where two or three are gathered in my name, there am I among them. Matthew eighteen twenty. Jesus said, all authority in heaven on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the very end of the age. Jesus also said in John 14, if you love me, you'll keep my commands, and I'll ask the Father, and he'll give you another helper to be with you forever, even the spirit of truth. So he, the Holy Spirit actually lives inside of us. If we're believers, if we've received the Holy Spirit, uh, we are now the temple of the Holy Spirit. And John wrote, greater is he that is in you than he that's in the world. So we could say this out loud as believers, the God who redeemed me and loves me, the greater one is here with me and here inside of me. We want to believe that. And we want to talk to God throughout the day as a friend or father who's right there with us. The God of love is here, Jehovah Shammah. I like to say, let's go together, Lord. Let's, Let's go to the store together. Let's go record a sermon together. Let's go preach together. At night, I say, Lord, it's time to go to bed. Let's go to bed. I'll do the sleeping. You watch over me. How many of you know God doesn't slumber or sleep, but he would still be there watching over you. Now, the second love name, so Jehovah Shama is the first, the Lord is here. And the second one is Jehovah Shalom, which means the Lord our peace. <clears throat> and Jesus said, let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. And he said, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. Now, the world's peace is dependent upon circumstances. But the peace that Jesus gives us is literally himself. So it's completely independent of circumstances. You, everybody else could be freaking out. You could be absolutely full of divine peace. And this really is a major, major key to walking in divine health. Uh, if you're worried all the time, fearful all the time, in stress all the, you know, feeling stress all the time, Uh, sickness is going to manifest, physical ailments, things going to go wrong. And most people, it's amazing how many physical conditions most people are carrying around. Well, uh, the more that we're knit together with Jesus, he's divine life. And the more then uh, this peace will will be a blessing to you and and help you uh, physically. So, God said through Isaiah, for the mountains may depart and hills be removed, but my steadfast love shall not depart from you, and my covenant of peace shall not be removed, says the Lord, who has compassion on you. Now, that's a great memory verse, Isaiah 54, 10. And so, uh, no use worrying, even if the mountains fall apart, all right? How many of you have ever thought, boy, everything's fallen apart, right? Well, the peace that we have is independent of all that it can all fall apart the mountains can depart the hills can be removed but that covenant of peace for god's people will not be removed says the lord who has compassion on you now compassion means love using its power so we have peace because we know god's gonna always love us with not just empathy or sympathy but with compassion love using its power so The Bible says in Proverbs fourteen thirty, which is a major memory verse for you. A heart at peace gives life to the body. You want to be real sensitive to the peace of God. When you don't have that peace operating in you, something else may be starting to operate. Something negative. I wonder how people get autoimmune diseases all the time, and so many of them, and arthritis, and all kinds of things. Well. Let's 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 be knit together with Christ and live in the peace of God and see what great things God's peace will do for our physical bodies. So another translation says a tranquil heart gives life to the flesh, but envy makes the bones rot. All right, so Envy is just one negative emotions, but they pretty much all do the same thing. They just manifest in different ways. If it's a negative emotion, it's working ill in your body. Now, Paul wrote, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. That means... You ask him, and then you praise him and thank him and believe that you have received. That's what that means. And then the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding. In other words, you can't figure out why you're peaceful. (laughs) The circumstances can be still really bad, but you're in supernatural peace. And it says the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Now, to me, that means no heart attacks. Guards my heart. No strokes guards my mind, guards my blood, guards my blood pressure. All right. So if it's protecting my heart and my mind, God's peace can protect your intestines. And uh, if envy rots the bones, then the heart at peace gives life to the bones. So Paul wrote, and let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, Colossians 3.15. Now the word rule can be translated umpire, and a baseball umpire rules on what's a fair ball, what's a foul ball, right? And so we need to get sensitive to this inner ruling peace. If you've asked Christ into your heart, then you learn, need to learn how to be sensitive to that peace. Now, life has a bunch of different priority areas. And priorities are how we spend our time or how we spend our money, but uh, particularly our time. So if God is number one priority, that means you'd spend time seeking God every day. If your health is priority number two, as it should be, you'll spend time eating right, sleeping appropriately, taking care of your body, exercising some. Then there's your mate, if you're married, your children, your relatives, church members, and and, uh, you got to earn a living. You got to go to work. There's ministering to the lost people. Well, how do you know how to spend uh, what amount of time in each area? That's the biggest challenge of life as far as I'm concerned is knowing how to spend uh, enough time in each area and not make one slice of the priorities too thick and one too thin because, or, or mix them up and get them out of order. When priorities are wrong, relationships are strained. Now, uh, that piece, so let's say I'm working really hard and man, I'm just really getting things done but uh, that piece lifts. That's, God's signaling me, you're out of bounds now. You need to go spend time with your family. Uh, maybe I'm spending a bunch of time with my family and the peace of God lifts. I better check in and see why why it lifted because maybe then I'm supposed to shift and um, and spend time with God or, or go back to work. Now, an, in a ski lodge they build all the roofs with real pointed roofs because the heavy snow's gonna come down, but it's gonna slide off. If you built a ski lodge with a flat roof, it would collapse the first big heavy snow because they'll get three, four, five, six feet at one time. But it's just fine with the pointed roof because the snow slides off. Now in the same way, if your priorities are, are stacked right, uh, it's gonna be like a pointed roof. If you spend the right amount of time in each area, stress of life will come down, but it'll slide off of you. So it's a really big deal to have this wonderful God of peace and him coaching us how to live in peace until we literally become peacemakers. And the Bible says, for they will be called children of God. That's Jehovah Shalom. Now, that's a love name. Jeho- Jehovah Ra is the Lord, my shepherd. And the Lord cares for us like a loving shepherd. Now, sheep are just helpless creatures. They, they prove that there's no macro evolution because uh, uh, the predators would have killed all the sheep a long time ago. They really have no defense. They need a shepherd. And the Bible says in Isaiah 40, verse 11, he will tend his flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs in his arms. He will carry them in his bosom and gently lead those who are with young. So he's going to look how tender he cares for his sheep there. But you say, well, those are just the young and the the mothers, you know, the uh, little lambs or pregnant women or whatever. Well, I found another verse. Isaiah 46, 4 says, Even to your old age and gray hairs, I am he who will sustain you. I have made you, and I will carry you. I will sustain you and I will rescue you. Now, that's a memory verse for you. Isaiah 46, 4. See, that's the the Lord, your shepherd saying all your life, if you need me to carry you, I will. Now, now we want to be able to walk, right? But sometimes in life, you just say, Lord, I am overwhelmed and, and carry me, Lord. Carry me through this. And he certainly will do it. Well, whatever age we are, God will carry us if we need him to. Otherwise, he'll gently lead us. Our loving shepherd will sustain us, carry us, rescue us, even to our old age. Well, I love that promise, and I thank God often for carrying me. When I don't think that I can wade through the difficulties of life, then I start thanking him for carrying me. You know, And if I don't feel smart enough to do everything just right, I know that he'll sustain me, carry me, rescue me, no matter how bad the kings of this world mess up society. Now, I think the government messes up a lot of stuff, and we should certainly pray for them. Uh, But, you know, uh, don't despair. if, if, If other people seem to be messing up the whole world, you've got a shepherd that will carry you, sustain you, and rescue you. And his love name there is Jehovah-Raah, which means the Lord, our shepherd. Now, the fourth name is Jehovah-Jireh, the Lord who provides. And we usually, at least all my life, I've thought Jehovah-Jireh just meant the Lord will help you with finances, but it means far more than that. When Abraham was on his way to sacrifice Isaac, you know, God spoke to Abraham and said, go to the region of Mount Moriah and offer your only son as a burnt offering there on one of the mountains that I show you. So Abraham got up early in the morning and they took off. And the little boy said, father, we have the fire and the wood, but where's the lamb for a burnt offering? And Abraham said, God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering, my son. Well, God stopped abraham from sacrificing his son and said now i know that you really fear me and uh because he the fear of the lord basically is a great love of obedience it's also the hatred of evil but god provided a ram with his horns caught in a thicket <clears throat> and that became the sacrifice instead of isaac so Abraham called the place, the Lord will provide. And it is said to this day, on the mount of the Lord, it shall be provided. That's Genesis twenty-two fourteen. Now, that's what Jesus did on Mount Calvary. He is the Lamb of God slain from the foundations of the world. And it's really important that we understand what Christ did with his atoning sacrifice for our sins and sicknesses. Now, Paul wrote this, he said, For if because of one man's trespass, death reigned through that one man, meaning Adam, much more will those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Christ Jesus. Now, sickness is death on the way. It's the beginning of death. And since sickness and then death came through Adam's disobedience, uh, redemption, righteousness, healing, eternal life all come through Jesus. So sin, sickness, and death go together. And in the same way, righteousness, healing, and eternal life go together. The first, all the bad stuff came through Adam, but all the good stuff comes through Jesus Christ. Now, we all need to get real familiar with the 53rd chapter of Isaiah. It's a tremendous prophetic chapter foretelling that the coming Christ would die as a atoning sacrifice for sin and uh, it was prophesied 600 years before Jesus came but it describes the crucifixion and the resurrection and in this chapter God's word clearly says that both both forgiveness for sin and healing for sickness and disease will be provided so verse 4 says Well, I want to quote verse 1. It begins with, Who has believed our report? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? Now, I used to read that and think, Well, sounds like Isaiah is saying nobody's going to believe this. Who has believed our report? Like, has anybody believed it? But what it really means is, Who has believed our report? They're the ones to whom the arm of the Lord will be revealed. In other words, you got to believe this, and then God's power will manifest for you and provide salvation and healing and eternal life and all these things. So, verse 4 says, Surely he, meaning Jesus, has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Now, if you look at the footnotes in any translation, the word griefs is is actually pains. And the word sorrows is actually sicknesses. All right. So, surely he has borne our Pains and carried our sicknesses, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions, he was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace, and with his wounds we are healed. All right, now that scripture, uh, Isaiah 53, verse 4, is translated and quoted referred to in Matthew's gospel chapter 8 verse 16 and 17 and it says that evening they brought to Jesus many who were oppressed by demons and he cast out the spirits with a word and healed all who were sick this was to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet Isaiah he took our illnesses and bore our diseases Now, remember I said that in Isaiah 53, you'll read it in your translations, it says he has borne, surely he's borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. But here in Matthew, where it's translated, it plainly says he bore our illnesses and our diseases. Now, what does that mean? That means just as God laid on him the iniquity of us all, the Lord laid on him the sickness of of us all. So, verse 10 of Isaiah 53 says, Yet it was the will of the Lord to crush him. He has put him to grief. But you read the footnote again, and it says, Or he has made him sick. (laughs) It's amazing that we haven't understood this very well, but the Lord literally laid on him our sins and the result of our sins, sicknesses. And he was the atoning sacrifice so that we don't have to bear them. Jesus bore them. Now, Paul wrote, For our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin, that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Now, that doesn't mean Jesus became sinful in his spirit. That means he was a guilt offering, as Isaiah 53.10 says. Yet it was the will of the Lord to crush him. He has put him to grief when he makes his soul an offering for guilt he shall see his offspring. He shall prolong his days. That means he's going to be raised from the dead. The will of the Lord will prosper in his hand. All right, so that shows he was a sin offering. He didn't become sinful. Well, in the same way, he was a substitute for sickness, but he didn't become sick. The Lord made him sick. In other words, he made him a substitute, an atoning sacrifice. Somehow he he bore it. So, I try to figure all that out in my mind. The way I understand it is uh, the devil had no right to kill Jesus. He was God in human form. He was perfect. He had no right to make him suffer. And uh, and all the pain that was inflicted, he was uh, spit. And the, they spit in his face. They hit him with their fists. They put a crown of thorn on him and beat it with a rod into his forehead. Uh, they whipped him at the whipping post with 39 lashes, but they had nine tails on that whip, each one with a piece of bone and metal, bone or metal, and it would hook into the flesh. And <clears throat> when they'd pull the whip back, it would rip. And so Jesus almost died at the whipping post and lost so much blood, he couldn't carry his cross very far. And then when they hung him on the cross, you know, that pulls all your joints out of joint. It's a, And eventually you suffocate uh, as your body just collapses and you drowned. You, 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 you uh, can't get your breath. It's a horrible cruel way to kill people, slow, slow, painful, agonizing death. And so the devil just laid it on Jesus. He just tortured him as much as he could, but he had no right to. And so in the justice of God, uh, now that he's done that to Jesus, he doesn't have any right to do that to you. Jesus bore your sicknesses. He bore your griefs. He bore your pains. So if the devil lays them on you, you can say, you lying devil, you get out of here. I rebuke you. I receive healing through Jesus Christ. He bore my sicknesses and diseases. I don't have to bear them, and you have no right to put them on me. Now, I'm going to someday have to make a full sermon about the justice of God, but in Isaiah uh, chapter 1, it says that the people who repent of their sins will be redeemed with justice. And uh, and it says in Isaiah that, that Jesus won't be discouraged until he establishes justice in the earth. He won't faint or be discouraged. Well, we see injustice everywhere. But you see, when Jesus ministers healing to people, that's a manifestation of divine justice. <laughs> You're being redeemed with justice. Jesus paid the price. He bore that. Now, his resurrection, of course. Is so wonderful. It says, out of the anguish of his soul, he shall see or see the light of life in some translations and be satisfied by his knowledge shall the righteous one, my servant, make many to be accounted righteous and he shall bear their iniquities. Therefore, I will divide him a portion with the many and he shall divide the spoil with the strong or the, it could be translated or with the numerous, which I believe is the right way to translate it because he poured out his soul to death and was numbered with the transgressors, yet he bore the sin of many and makes intercession for the transgressors, Isaiah 53, 11 and 12. Now notice, when he rises from the dead, he's gonna divide the spoil. That doesn't mean spoiled vegetables in the refrigerator that you need to throw out. It means uh, plunder, means treasure. It means he won a tremendous victory and he has so much plunder that he's gonna share it with us. And among that stuff that he shares is divine healing. And that's why it says in another verse in Isaiah chapter 33, verse 23, Then prey, P-R-E-Y, and spoil in abundance will be divided. Even the lame will take the prey. Isn't that great? So, uh, uh, the NIV translation, even the lame will carry off plunder. Well, praise God. Now, Peter wrote, he himself, meaning Jesus, bore our sins in his body on the cross that we might die to sin and live for righteousness, by his wounds you have been healed. Now notice sin and sickness always go together. That's why in James it says, Is any of you sick? Call for the elders of the church, and they'll anoint you with oil. They'll pray the prayer of faith. If you've committed sin, anybody's committed sin, they'll be forgiven, and the prayer of faith will save the sick. In Psalms one hundred three, praise the Lord, forget not all of his benefits, who forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases. So they're they're actually inseparable. Um, And so, when Jesus atoned, he atoned for your sin and the results of your sin, and that means uh, we can receive the righteousness of Christ by faith, and we can also receive divine healing. You say, how long will he heal you? Well, till your work on earth is done, and uh, till you live out your full life, do the will of God on earth. And then eventually, you know, we're going to be given resurrected bodies. But the healing is kind of like a down payment on that. And uh, it's a way God manifests his love. Now, that's all Jehovah Jireh. The Lord is providing all that for you. And it's provided through the atonement of Jesus. Now, when you go to receive healing, never beg God to heal you, because in the mind of God, it's already done. It's already provided the victory's already been won. You're just supposed to believe by faith and carry off the plunder. And that's why Jesus said in Mark 11, 24, whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. Believe it's given to you. Believe it's already there. Now, another verse that shows, uh, Christ providing, uh, redemption from sin and, uh, and also from sickness is Galatians 3.13, which says, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who is hanged on a tree. Now, if you'll read the curses of the law, uh, they'll be found in uh, Deuteronomy chapter 28. (coughs) Excuse me. And in that chapter... There's 14 verses of blessings and probably 45 or more verses of curses. And many of those curses are physical diseases. And it names a whole bunch of them. But then it says that this curse includes all the sicknesses and diseases that aren't mentioned here. So then if Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, that means we're already redeemed from any kind of sickness or disease that there is. And the devil doesn't have any right to put those on us. Now, you say, well, what if we sinned a whole bunch? Well, then then you confess your sin and you get forgiven and you get healed, according (laughs) to the Gospel of James. All right. Now, it's very important that you remember numerous people have had visions of a warehouse in heaven full of human body parts for for miracles of healing. Anna Roundtree's book, uh, Heaven Awaits the Bride, She was given a vision, shown a bunch of healing angels and a warehouse called the parts department. All the drawers had eyeballs and eardrums and kidneys and livers and bones of all kinds and you name it, every part of human body. In Richard Sigmund's uh, book called uh, My Time in Heaven, he died and was dead for eight hours and uh, came back to life. Jesus sent him back just before they started to embalm him. But he saw a big warehouse with drawers full of body parts but it was called in his vision the unclaimed miracles now what that means is if you say you get up to heaven and you say god why didn't you heal me god will say i did i provided it all i put it right here in the drawer for you <laughs> you didn't claim it all right so let's not uh, ever be saying lord if it be thy will to heal me that's a slap in the face to Jehovah Jireh and Jehovah Rapha, the Lord your healer and the Lord your provider. So I was in Yankala. I went to pray for a lady, and uh, she said she needed a hip replacement. I said, Let's uh, let's get one from Jesus then. And uh, I said, Lord, take a new hip joint out of the drawers of heaven. Bring it on down and install it. And she started to yell. And she said, my, my mother had a near-death experience. And while she was dead, uh, out of her body anyway, her, her, her spirit was shown this big warehouse in heaven that had all these body parts in it. And that's what she told us that she saw. But we thought she was hallucinating and we didn't believe her. I said, well, and I told her about these other people that have seen that. And then that woman was healed and walked out of there holding her cane. And uh, now I want to give you an illustration that I hope will help you. And think of what Velcro is. On one side of Velcro is a bunch of loops, but on the other side is a bunch of hooks. And when you put the two sides together, the hooks go into the loops and there's a strong binding. Now, all of God's, listen carefully, all of God's promises and all those provisions. See, the promise to heal you, the warehouse full of the body parts, those are the loops, and even the healing anointing. See, I'll feel tangible holy fire in my hands when I minister Christ and I'm praying for people, and uh, wonderful currents of holy fire will go into people and, and bring about healings. But that's all the loops side. That's just one side. The other side is believing faith. And if people don't believe anything, they don't hook in to what's there for them. And that's why Isaiah said in 53 verse 1, Who has believed our report and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? In other words, if you'll believe, you'll hook into the power. The arm of the Lord will be revealed to you. You've absolutely got to believe something. You can't just say, well, I hope it does. I hope God will heal me. You don't get anything that way. So the Bible says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. In other words, don't despair and say, well, I don't know how I could ever have enough faith. God wants to help you have faith. And faith comes by hearing the voice of God, the present tense speaking of God, and God most usually speaks to you through his word. His word reveals his character and his will. And when you get it in your heart and say, you know what? It's right here, plain as day. It's God's will to heal me. Now, that goes into your heart. Once it's in your heart, that faith has to be released either through your mouth or through corresponding actions, and, uh, or you still, you still won't receive unless you get it in your heart and then release it. And so that's why the Bible says uh, if you don't doubt in your heart, you say to this mountain, be thou removed and cast into the sea, and don't doubt in your heart, but believe that what you say will come to pass, you'll have whatsoever you say. Therefore, when you pray, believe that you have received it, and it will be yours. Now, Paul was preaching Christ in uh, a certain city, a Gentile city there, and it says that uh, uh, the man was drinking in the word, Uh, He was just paying close attention to everything Paul said. And Paul, the Bible just says Paul preached Christ. And... uh so what was he preaching the man was drinking in the word of paul perceived that he had faith to be healed he could see that that faith from what he preached had gone into the man's heart but it needed to be released now that man was a cripple from birth he had never walked in his life but through preaching christ and the atonement of from sin and sickness that was gone that had gone into the man's heart and paul knew all he had to do is release it so he said stand upright on your feet and the man could have said well i can't stand but he was already believing the word that jesus had risen from the dead and had provided healing and he leaped up and was instantly healed now how did the man get that kind of faith Well, it didn't originate from him. (laughs) It came from God. It came from the preaching of the word of God. Now, lift your hands up right now and tell the Lord, thank you, Lord. You're going to help me have all kinds of faith because you're going to show me your word. You're going to teach me your word. You're going to help me understand it. It's going to go into my heart. And then the Holy Spirit will even be so kind as to coach you how to release the faith. Just like Paul said to the man, stand upright on your feet. Now, Paul didn't lay hands on him. There was no tangible anointing going into the man. That all happened just through preaching. It came by the word. The word is powerful. That's why Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. It's the power of God and the salvation. I I like Arby's uh, restaurant. They say, we've got the meat. I tell Christians, when I preach, I say, we've got the gospel. This is the greatest good news in all the world, to be forgiven for your sins, healed of diseases, given eternal life, made joint heirs with Christ. You'll get the whole kingdom. God loves you so much, he wants to make you one with his own spirit. What a deal. Wow. Now, it says uh, in Acts chapter 8, then Philip, he was one of the original deacons in the church, went down to the city of Samaria, which was a real heathen place, and preached Christ to them. And the people with one accord gave heed to those things which Philip spoke. And they heard, and they, and then they started seeing miracles. Unclean spirits crying with a loud voice came out of many who were possessed by them, and many taken with palsies. And... Uh, and that were lame, were healed. And there was great joy in that city. Now, how did those Gentile people suddenly get faith to be delivered from palsies? Palsies a bad deal. Cerebral palsy is a terrible, terrible thing. And uh, they got that faith by hearing the message. So, you see, the church often doesn't preach the full message of Christ and a lot of churches claim to be full gospel, but then they aren't full gospel because they don't preach the full gospel message. And they should be and could be. And I want to be a full gospel preacher. I am uh, I have preached a whole lot about Christ, but I'm preaching it better. I'm a new improved version <laughs> of West Dauphinbaugh. All right. Now, while I was preaching this sermon, I was a lady who had a Uh, surgery on one of her eyes, laser surgery on both eyes, and uh, the doctor overcorrected on her right eye, and there was a big V-shaped floater right in her eye, always visible, and while I was preaching, it disappeared. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And uh, it stayed gone at the end of the service. It wasn't there. We went out to lunch because she was the pastor's wife. So the pastor, her and I went out to lunch. It was still gone. When I got in my car to drive away, it was still gone. And so I am thinking, wow, that was fun, Lord. Uh, I'm going to preach Christ like uh, Philip did. I'm going to preach that Christ has atoned for sickness and disease. And if you believe that, then all you have to do is release faith somehow. You can be healed right where you are right now. But you have to praise God, believe that you've received, release the faith, start exercising your arm or your leg or whatever, or uh, believe that it's, uh, you're recovering, and praise God and thank God for your healing and release the faith. All right. And so Romans 1.16 says the gospel of Christ is the power of God Unto salvation to everyone that believeth. There's that word believe again. You got to believe something. You got to hook in like Velcro to all the promises, all the power of God in the air and around you. All right. Now, Jehovah-Jireh will also provide finances and resources. And Paul wrote in Romans 8, 32, He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not also along with him graciously give us all things? Well, we need finances. So we need a (laughs) Jehovah-Jireh. Now, I met some very prophetic people in Hartford, Vermont. uh, And the... They, one lady prophesied that God was going to be my patron. I went three years later. Another prophetic lady said, God is going to be your benefactor. And both of them said, the word over you is Jehovah Jireh. Well, it's a wonderful thing. that uh, I was prophesied that uh, God would be my patron. A patron uh, mostly works with artists and musicians. And uh, they travel with them. They dress them in their colors. And they provide for their their art and their music. But a benefactor, uh, they also provide things, but they'll work with people just for rent and food and all the common needs. And so God has promised me prophetically he'll be both my patron, because I have a lot of artistic, you know, books to write and things like that, but also my benefactor. And we all have the promise that he's Jehovah Jireh, Hallelujah, the Lord, our provider. Now, the fifth love name is Jehovah Nissi, which means the Lord, our banner, or the Lord, our victory, because the banner means a a banner of victory. Paul wrote, now listen how great a victory it was, Colossians chapter 2, when you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all our sins, having canceled the charge of our legal indebtedness, which stood against us and condemned us. He has taken it away, nailing it to the cross. And having disarmed the powers and authorities, that doesn't mean the Romans, that means the devil and all of his demons. Having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. That means he rose from the dead. Hallelujah. So, Jesus has won the victory over Satan, sin, death, and the world, and we share his victory through our faith. So, Jesus said, in this world, you will have trouble, but take heart, I've overcome the world. And I used to wonder, well, what good does that do me? You overcame the world, I'm still stuck down here. <laughs> well, what it means is, you're going to have trouble, but I've already won the victory, and I'm going uh, to let you share in my overcoming victory. Praise God. So, you don't have to overcome... Uh, the world just your faith does john wrote everyone born of god overcomes the world this is the victory that's overcome the world even our faith who is it that overcomes the world only the one who believes that jesus is the son of god well he's the lord our banner or we could say the lord our victory say it out loud jehovah nissi that's the lord my banner Praise the name of Jesus. Now, Jehovah Tassidkanu is the Lord, our righteousness. And uh, we've been reading scriptures about how Jesus provided righteousness for us. I've been reading books again by Kenneth Hagin, and he was dying at the age of 16 with a deformed heart and two blood diseases. No one had ever in history lived past 16 with those conditions. And uh, He was believing God for healing there on that bed, mostly paralyzed. And he read, confess your faults to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. And he got in despair. He thought, I don't know anybody that would pray the prayer of faith for me, Lord, because none of my church people where I go to church believe in divine healing. And the Holy Spirit spoke to him and said, you could pray the prayer of faith. And, and so he started to believe that he could pray the prayer of faith. But the other voice spoke and said, yes, you could if you were righteous. But you aren't righteous. You got mad the other day and pushed your food tray off on the floor. That's no way for a righteous person to act. And so he, he was defeated again. And then finally, he, uh, he found uh, Romans uh, Five, chapter five, where it says, "For if by the trespass of the one man death reigned through that one man, how much more, listen now, how much more will those who receive God's abundant provision of grace and the gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man Jesus Christ?" (laughs) And so he realized that his righteousness was in Jesus, and eventually he did pray the prayer of faith and rose up off of that deathbed and lived into his 80s and had a worldwide tremendous worldwide ministry well Jehovah to Sid can do the Lord our righteousness thank God he's our righteousness now learn to discern that other voice that other voice is the devil it tries to talk you into unbelief fear worry defeat and if it if if you feel yourself going down then don't believe that stupid voice <laughs> When the Holy Spirit speaks, it's going to lift you up. It's going to give you faith, give you hope, give you courage, fill you with love. Amen. So the Bible says, uh, resist the devil, submit to God, resist the devil, and he'll flee. All right. The last redemptive name is Jehovah Rapha, the Lord who heals you. So this was a covenant name that God gave to the Israelites when he led them out of Egypt. Uh, I've been reading uh, all kinds books on healing and one that i read recently was called christ the healer by f f bosworth now he lived back you know in uh, 19 i guess he was at the height of his ministry in around 1924 something like that but when he was a young man he was dying of tuberculosis and they called that galloping consumption and he went home to georgia to say goodbye to his parents and uh the doctors told him they thought he'd die on the trip well he managed to get there but he was almost dead and he met a methodist woman they called the bible woman because she would walk the hills of georgia and carolinas selling bibles and preaching the gospel and she looked at him her name was maddie perry she looked intently at him and she said fred bosworth you are young you are a christian and if you died today you'd go straight to heaven But I'm here to tell you that if you die today, it will be one of the most selfish acts you have ever committed. She said, it will be the most selfish act you've ever committed. God's plan is that we should live to be at least three score and ten. What about all the people God has ordained for you to reach? Now, remember, she said at least. So uh, I'm already over that amount, 70 years of age. I'm believing for a lot more. Well, she said, what about all the people God has ordained for you to reach? He said, Miss Perry, would you pray for me? She said, I wouldn't waste my prayers on someone who's just going to lay there and die. In other words, if you don't act on what I pray, if you don't act on your faith, I am no use even praying. And Fred thought to himself, if I lie here, I am going to die. If I get up, I can't do any worse than that. So he told Miss Perry that if she would pray for him, he would get up. So she prayed, and he got up and was instantly healed, went on to a fabulous ministry that affected people all over the United States. His book is referred to by almost everybody that writes on the subject of divine healing. Well, what a wonderful thing it is that we have this God that loves us so much in these seven names. Uh, And so, friend, all this is there for you to tap into by faith. And who has believed our report? To whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? I hope you could say me. You can write my name right in there. I believe that report. I believe it in my heart. I I believe, and then you believe God for whatever, and let the faith come out through your actions or your corresponding words. You can be healed right now. You can receive financial miracles right now. You can receive... Whatever you need from God, even the baptism of the Holy Spirit is received the same way. Well, let's pray. Father, we thank you for loving us so much, and we thank you that Jesus said he was going to continue to reveal your name to us until we got transformed into your love, until the love the Father has for Jesus would be fully manifested in us and Christ would be fully manifested in us now we say to you lord we like that idea really good let's do that praise god we want all receive all these benefits but more than anything we want to be one with you we want to be made like you oh let's do it together hallelujah now would you say out loud that's my prayer too and then let's say his name together ready we're going to say in jesus name here we go in jesus name well, dear friend, I love each one of you. God bless you. If you would like to partner with us at Encouragement Expert, please email us at pastorbacker at gmail.com. Or you can write P.O. Box 485 Crestwell, Oregon 97426.